And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Second week's in the books at Mirfield Village. What a difference a week makes. A U.S. Open Open Championship hybrid seemed to break out there the second week. Of course, it was the Workday Charity Open week one that Colin Morikawa ball strike his way to his second championship. But this week, uh, it was uh, it was survival, survival mode, and uh, the new number one player in the world. Uh, he stood tall, shot nine under, actually shot 11 two-stroke penalty. Uh, they're called afterwards on the pitch shot on the 16th. But he wins by three over Ryan Palmer for his fourth win now on the PGA Tour. But more importantly, the new number one player, in the world is John Rom, the Spaniard. And to help us break it all down, we bring in Golf Channel analysts and a good friend of mine, Billy Kratzer. Billy, thanks uh, for getting up with us here this morning. Oh, good morning, Travis. Uh, good to hear your voice. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. I've been watching you, uh, of course, uh, on Golf Channel break it down. And I was waiting for a big week here where we had some heavy lifting going on. Tiger in the field. Uh, Rory in the field, all the big names, of course, are there playing in Jack's tournament. Uh, kudos to Mirfield Village, Jack Nicholas, back to back weeks. I can only imagine how hard that staff worked. But uh, we got a new world number one, John Rahm. You know, of course, he was the number one amateur in the world when he was at Arizona State, 60 weeks, which is a record. Um, and now here he is, 25 years of age and uh, number one in the world. Pretty heady stuff by John Rahm. Certainly is. And um, when you look at the way that he plays the game, he plays the game with such a high intensity and, you know, obviously drives the ball long. He's a good iron player. Uh, certainly the composure on the golf course, uh, still that fiery uh, inward self that he has. But, you know, I think he's channeled it properly. Um you know, Mickelson was certainly correct uh, when he made the observation years ago when he was at Arizona State and first got on tour that this guy has a chance to not only be in the top five, but he has a chance to be number one. And that's something that Mickelson never achieved in his career. But John Rahm is is just a, a unique individual uh, with the way that he plays the game. He plays it with finesse, plays it with power. And going forward, uh, I think we all thought it was just a matter of time before he did get to that number one position. Did we think it was going to be this quick? Probably not. Yeah. You know, you know, I was a, a, a little surprised. You know, Rory was playing some terrific golf pre-COVID. I mean, he was finishing in the top five every single week. The, the break probably hurt Rory more than any player um, on the PGA Tour. But you talked about you know, John Rahm's game, he can beat you different ways. It wasn't like he made everything he looked at, um, at Mirfield. He pretty much, you know, he, he ball striked his way, um, and was just so solid long, as you mentioned, um, ripping the three and four iron down there on those running fairways that were going forever, but he does have the finesse. Can you make the statement, Billy, for John, that he might be the more, rounded player when you compare him to Rory you know Rory can get a little wishy-washy with the putter not the case with Rom he's a great putter he can match Rory in the long game in the iron game in the short game 
is Rom the more complete player when you compare him to Rory? Well, when you when you look at the games, they're 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 very similar. Uh, both are excellent drivers. When you talk, when you start talking about guys that can send the ball deep, push the ball through the air very quickly, and you're talking, you know, club head speed um, over 120 mile per hour and ball speed somewhere, in, you know, in the 180s. Um, you know, there's there's it's a very small margin on a miss. Uh, I mean, like an eighth of an inch can mean 20 20 yards right or left. Can I make it that they are technically close? Absolutely. And I would give the nod to Rom with the putter. Yeah. But I think when I go to the management part of it, then I'm going to lean to Rory. Mm. So, you know, it's it's kind of a, you know, hard comparison for me because I think they are so much alike in the way that they can go ahead and dominate a golf course tee to green. Um, but Rory, I think, is a little more accepting of something that would go wrong on the golf course, but Rom's getting better. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting point. And, and I'll, and I, I'll take you back to uh, the 2019 players right here in our backyard in Ponte Vedra. Um, gosh, it feels like five years ago now. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> With everything that's went down, but you know, Rom's in the bunker, right, on 11. Um, you and I have been in that bunker before. And he decides to go for it, right, with to try to hook it around over the water into a very difficult green. I mean, just a I mean, darn near an impossible shot. And, of course, his caddy wants him to lay up. He goes for it. We know what happens. Rory goes on, wins the Players' Championship. But a little foreshadowing from there. I mean, these two have clearly been the best players since that point. Rom. Two PGA Tour wins, two Euro wins. He wins the Order of Merit last year. Here he is, number one in the world. You know, you can see the the, the maturation here of John Rahm since that point. You can you can certainly hear it in his voice, and you can see it on the golf course um, as well. That that seemed to be maybe in its own way a bit of a turning point for Rahm losing to Rory the way that he did nineteen at the Players. I think so. Uh, you can look at that and you could also kind of understand that a player does not like to be criticized with their decision making. And ultimately, it's the player's decision uh, because they are the chairman of the board mm-hmm. uh, on the golf course. Um, but. When you when you look at a Rom, when you look at a Rory, they've got a little Phil Mickelson in them because <laughs> they feel as though there's not a shot on that golf course that they're not going to be able to pull off or execute with how they envision the shot to go. So, how do you temper that back? Um, you know, as a as a caddy, you know Adam Adam does his best. To rein him in. Mm-hmm. Harry Diamond does his best at times to rein Rory in. You know, Bones always had a tough time reining Phil in. It's, it's, you know, it's something that not only does it provide excitement on the golf course for the viewer, but it, it's also that challenge for the player that if I pull this off, 
I might, I'm probably only the only player that could have pulled this off. <laughs> so they have that, that mental challenge along with the physical skills that they try to combine to provide the entertainment to the spectator. And when they do pull it off, that's all we talk about. Yeah. And when yeah. they don't pull it off, that's what we talk about. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's kind of an, an intriguing spot. You know, as you, as you look at this, and I'm thankful that I get to watch it, and I get to watch it up close. Yeah, no, that's those are fair points, and I'm thankful that that, that we don't have to try to pull off those shots to <laughs> no. to try to make a living as uh, you know as Rom does. I mean, he can he can beat you with the power, but he can beat you with the finesse, and he is a great putter. I mean, he really is. Um, very well-rounded player. Look at him statistically. There's no weaknesses. I mean, he's strokes ain't off the tee. He's fifth approach, 39th around the green, 35th putting, 21st tee to green, ninth total for. I mean, there's no weaknesses in that game, and um, it, it's going to be fun to watch now as we move forward into the meat of the season as everything's pushed back. You, you brought up course management, and you and I were texting a little bit yesterday. I want to talk about Tony Finau. You know. On Saturday, he birdies 10 and 11, opens up a three-shot lead. And, I, you know, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, you know, gosh, could this be different here for Tony? Could he get his second win? He looks poised. He's hitting shots. Um, his putter looked very stable. And then he goes in the last seven holes on Saturday plus the 18. So 25 holes total. He goes 10 over. Now, in fairness, the course was extremely difficult. But what stands out to me, Billy, is that there's three doubles in there, one triple, and just some shots that as a PGA Tour player, you just can't hit. And he seems to be short-siding himself a lot and having a lot of big misses. You agree with that. And what do you think's next for Fina? Something's clearly missing for him in order to get back into the winner circles and let's face it, you know, start to achieve at the level that he has the talent for. I really think that um, when I look at Finau's game and, you know, I happen to be there with the nationwide challenge on Wednesday when he and Rom were partners and they were playing Poulter and McDowell and it, Watching Finau and watching Rom, you probably could have picked those two guys to win the golf tournament. I mean, they just blitzed Poulter and McDowell in this this charity exhibition. But what I see with Tony is a little indecision a lot of times in the big shot. And if you have a little indecision all the greats would take that indecision out. Do I go for this flag? Uh, you know, is it too tight? Whatever. They just go ahead and play to the middle. There are two guys. One has 18 majors and the other guy has 15 majors. They are the two best players that have ever been. And they made a career hitting to the middle of the green. Now, given the fact that the golf course played so fiery and hard and the wind, I've got that. But the understanding that bogey is 
the maximum score you can make on a day like that should be at the forefront of your mind. And I'm not here to, to criticize Tony uh, or his team, mm-hmm. but they've got to come up with something to where the distance control, the knowledge, you know, the flighting of the ball, whether you go up, mid, high, left, right, right to left, situational practice might help him. But you just have to be able to go ahead and make a par at the most difficult time. And when you make two bogeys, you don't follow with a triple. So Kepka, he made, I think he made like four doubles and a triple this week. Birdie production was there, but too many mistakes. And obviously in that last 25 holes with Tony, too many mistakes. And once you make one, the game gets really quick what you feel inwardly and what you show outwardly on the golf course are two different things. And I just think that when he gets in a situation like that, not being able to slow the game down enough and have a safety shot like Tiger does, like Jack did, I think that's going to be a key for him. And he's going to have to learn that, that you can't challenge every single flag stick. I mean, you don't go for the hero shot every time. And that was one of Jack's hallmarks. Yeah, He's even said that. You do not go for the hero shot every time. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter-weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show. Yeah, I mean, you look at them statistically, and you compare them to Rom, and you just—I you know, would encourage the listeners to go to PGATour.com, pull up Tony Finau, look at him the last four or five years, look at those stats, and then look at John Rom right now this year. And the only difference you're going to see is in putting, and and I think Finau is actually making some strides um, with his. Putting. I agree. You know, he's I, I think he's actually becoming a better putter. I, I I think he's actually much better around the greens than he used to be as well. I mean, he's stroke scan around the green 19th right now this year and putting 96, which is an improvement from last year. So, uh, you know, things in its own individual silos are in the right in the right direction um, and right there with the number one player in the world. But yet. We feel like, you know, there's a bit of underachieving going on, I think, in my opinion, with Finau, just from these mistakes, the amount of doubles, um, the triples. It's maddening to watch. I find myself getting more frustrated watching Tony Finau than, <laughs> than any player on tour because I am such a fan of him, you know, and he's such a great guy, and he's so much fun to watch, and it's just, uh, it's just maddening to watch. And I, I think when you look at, the tour this week, the 3M Open, he is going to win this tournament. 
He's going to win the 3M Open. TPC Twin Cities is the perfect ballpark for him. Um, you know, we saw Wolf, what he did last year. I think it favors the bigger hitter. Finau's playing good golf. Let's just be a little smarter, like you said, on some of these shots. And, you know, you don't have to birdie every hole, right? Like, you can't birdie every hole. And you can't be airmailing nine irons 25 yards over the green. Right. And I, and I think there's there has to to he has to realize or, or come to the understanding that how do I temper these situations when I get a little revved up, you know, okay, now I've got a three shot lead. I'm playing well. I'm kind of separating myself. You know, how do I channel that down? And and that's where the distance control comes in. Okay. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take something off this. I'm not going to hit it hard because you and I both know, um, you know, with a nine iron, you, you might be able to send that consistently 150 yards, 155 yards, get a little amped up. All of a sudden it's 170. How do you channel that? And I think that's where Tony needs to go. Mm-hmm. And I agree the putting, it has certainly yeah. come a long ways the way he drives the ball. In fact, it was really fun uh, on Wednesday in that challenge to see where Tony could take it because he was actually taking a full cut at it and he was hitting drives 380 and, and Jack was driving around in the golf cart and the other guys were saying, Hey Jack, you need to put a bunker here for Tony. You need to put some trees here for Tony. The man can send it off the tee as long as anyone. And I just, I just think that trying to get that second win he doesn't always let it come to him. Yeah. He tries to make it happen. And more times than not, when you try to make something happen, it's going to go the other way. The only two that I've seen be able to make something happen with regularity and pull it off are the two I mentioned, Nicholas and Tiger. Yeah. Let's move it to another guy that can send it. And that's uh, Bryson uh, DeChambeau. Took a 10 on Friday, uh, par 515th. You ever... In your career, Billy, you've been doing this a long time. Have you ever seen someone ask for a second ruling like that? I have. Okay. Only and and here's the thing that was tough to understand from Bryson's point of view. When you look at all the prongs in the fence that were along that right hand side, mm-hmm. the which was the outer boundary the outer and inner boundary in his mind it wasn't the post it was the prongs which are the fence he's thinking i can see where he would say hey i want another opinion because half the ball is on this side of the prong and the other one's on the other side but as we heard in the discussion with both rules officials that post that Inner side of the post to the golf course, a line infinitely goes straight up from there, and the ball was obviously on the other side. Therefore, it was out. I don't mind him calling for a second ruling. Um, I didn't. I didn't care for the comment that you know, just another bad ruling, mm-hmm. another week. Uh, but he was so frustrated. Yeah. at that time, I mean, you hit one out of bounds you do it again and when he did it the third time 
we hit the all-time stubborn button at that point. <laughs> the old tin cup. I think didn't Jack didn't Jack say that? <laughs> yeah, Jack said that. And when he's when he's doing that, I'm looking over uh, at Brian Katrick and I'm going, John Daly, John Daly <laughs> at the API. Mm-hmm. Uh, just filling it up on on the par five six. What would you tell Bryson right now, Billy? I mean, he, you know, he clearly has the game going his way, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, he, I think, takes some pleasure and pride in being perhaps the smartest guy in the room, right? And he has done a nice job and he's worked extremely hard to get to where he is and creating the speed that he is. I mean, he's hitting the golf ball off the planet and he's not exactly spraying it everywhere either. I mean, he's, he, Oh no. Yeah. He's keeping it in front of him. Um, his putting is solid His you know, around the game green wedge game perhaps is a bit of a, still a learning curve with this new body and whatnot, but you know, he's, then you got the other side, right. Of Bryson that, you know, like this with the ruling, um, you know, the, the caddy now getting in front of the camera so they can't see Bryson and um, his altercation with another cameraman. And, you know, you don't want these things to add up. Right. And you don't want to get too big of a head here. Right. Because clearly the game is going his way. Um, he's playing some great golf. What would you tell him right now, Bryson? Hey, here's my advice to you for the rest of the year. Well, he's a, to, to say the least, he's, he's very complex in the way that he approaches the game and no one's approached it in the history like he has. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you could go back to the golfing machine and, and, and the book and I got, I've got all that, but he's come up with all the new stuff to, to the point where he'll go and water down some golf balls and pitch them just to kind of get an indication as to how much spin he can put on it. I don't know if advice would be um, listened to because he's kind of that player. And we talk about this often, Travis, he's, he's that player that wants to know it all. Mm -hmm. And, And, you, you have those kind of players and he has that ability to process it. Then you have the other players that, you know, I just want to know a little, and then I want to go play. So with that in mind, I don't know if there's anything you could tell him that he thinks that he's doing wrong. And uh, it would be very difficult to get around, but my, if I was to get the chance, mm-hmm. To talk to Bryson and say, hey, Bryson, I have two observations. If you want to do it, great. If you don't want to do it, that's fine, too. But anything, and there weren't any spectators there, and and, uh, the deal with the camera guy, because the camera guys work so hard out there on the golf course, Mm -hmm. if there were spectators there, that would have never happened. I promise you. Yeah. Uh, People around, he would have never done or had the conversation with the particular camera guy. At least I don't think so. But I would say, hey, Bryson, 
anything that happens inside the ropes, don't let, if it's, if it doesn't involve putting a score on the scorecard, don't let that become a weakness to where you're looking for it. Because now to me, it's almost like you're looking for it every time something doesn't go accordingly. Mm-hmm. The second thing in the golf game, what I would address are different shots with the wedges. I would say, I know you work with track men. I know you know your numbers, but how do you apply that to the golf course? Because where you're driving the golf ball, as many wedges as you're putting in your hand, if you take away the four par threes on a golf course, there are 14 driving holes. There could be 12 wedges for Bryson. And there are going to be golf courses, and including the par fives. I'm just lumping them all in except the par threes. He could actually, for his approach shot to every par four and the third shot on par five, every shot to a green could be a wedge, Travis. Yeah. That's how far he's driving the ball. Yep. And so that would be my, my advice. I would say you hone in on that wedge game. I don't know. Maybe you need you know, look at the shafts, uh, maybe go to a steel shaft. I don't know with the construction of the clubs that he has, they might be too heavy. He knows all of that, but I would say you dial that in and don't let the camera, it, anytime anyone says anything to you, don't react. Don't let it be a weakness. Yeah. No, I think that's sound advice. I think with Bryson, you know, he's kind of into that. I don't want to, you know, villain for a lack of better word on the tour, right? You know, Patrick Reed kind of embraces it. And, you know, Kepka seems to be kind of moving into that world to some degree with, um, his feuds that he seems to continue to get in. And, you know, I, I think with Bryson, I, if you compare him to Patrick, which a lot of people do, I don't think Patrick really cares what people think. So I think he's very comfortable in his skin. The difference with Bryson, I think, as he goes down this path and these things continue to happen, I think he does care. I think Bryson really wants to be liked. Um, and I think he does a lot of good stuff and, and um, obviously is very well-spoken, but his emotions get in the way and, as you said, he responds to each and every little thing. It probably doesn't bode well for him in that regard, as far as, you know, he wants to be liked. That's just my opinion as I look, you know, from the outside looking in. Well, and in, in his conversation, because it was certainly talked about in his presser uh, up at Rocket Mortgage after the incident, and he kind of said, hey, you know, I shouldn't have done it. Um, it was the moment people that know me and these are his words. Hey, I'm a pretty nice dude to hang around. Yeah. And I, you know, I agree. I, th- I think he, he probably is, um, you know, and if I was one of the younger players out there, maybe he's one of the guys I'd gravitate to. Yeah. You know, I think he's, I think he's very interesting mm-hmm. to players like Tiger and Phil. I know Phil likes to, to pick his brain and, and they have great conversations, but uh, I think he's a pretty good guy. And, yeah. and, and, and Patrick, on the other hand, uh, I've never heard him apologize for 
anything that may have gone wrong. So, you know, even though these two guys are, are kind of over here with maybe player and pub, pub, public opinion, I think they're way apart in reality. Yeah. Let's talk about Tiger a minute. A couple 71s and a pair of 76s, right? 71, 76, 71, 76. That was his tournament, T40. I, I think considering how difficult the golf course was and how little tournament golf Tiger has played, the T40, I was expecting a little higher than that. But, you know, I mean, you could clearly see some rust um, with Tiger for sure. Uh, and I don't know, probably about what I expected, you know, out of Tiger, maybe a, a top 25, um, I would have probably labeled him at. I think I said T11 going into the week. But um, he clearly needs more reps. It's going to be warm in Memphis in a week. He's got to play, doesn't he? You would think so. Um, you go back to Friday, though. Um, it was warm. And the body was not moving nearly the way it was moving on Thursday. There was a, there was a total uh, change in the backswing and downswing. Uh, he couldn't get into his right side on the backswing. Couldn't clear the left on the downswing. Uh, he hit a lot of shots that looked like they were white. And, and, and by that, I mean they were just kind of this little peeler to the right and it just, just didn't work. What was interesting, though, is when it meant the most, birdie at seven, birdie at eight. So now you get it to plus three, and and now you're kind of thinking, okay, one more birdie, I can make the cut. Well, he didn't make birdie because he drove it in the right-hand rough, but he did make the cut because it did go up in the afternoon. But um, So I'm, I'm thinking Friday's kind of a off-the-grid one, but the other three days, uh, I think the body felt pretty good. Mm -hmm. 71 was probably as high as he could have shot on Saturday, and, and 76 – uh, on Sunday, I think he probably, cause he, he had to come out after the delay. I would think that he probably played in the most difficult conditions, um, on, on Sunday, because it did kind of ease up at the end, uh, when the leaders came through and you had that little rain and kind of softened, you could see the ball starting to grab on 17, but. I thought the driver was okay. The iron play wasn't as sharp as we usually see from Tiger and obviously didn't make near as many putts. I think he does need the reps before uh, going out to the PGA Championship at Harding Park. So does he play Memphis? That's going to be that's going to be a big question. He's never played there. Yeah. Yeah, I was so, just, just going to say I don't, I don't know. He, I mean, he has he has two nevers. He's never played Memphis, and he's never missed a cut at Memorial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was uh, it was cute when Amanda asked him afterwards on CBS, "When will we see an X?" And he said, "Soon." Tiger always on point. You can't get anything past him. Um, 
uh, in the yeah. Uh, that's like that's <laughs> that's like Mickelson. We're watching Mickelson yesterday, and and I don't know if you saw him play yesterday, but uh, he had his cup of coffee with him, and it said "coffee for wellness." And guess what? Every time he putted or pitched the ball. That cup was right behind him. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I mean, very savvy. You know, it's right there. Coughing for wellness. Sure enough. You know, it's interesting with Tiger. There, there was a period of time where even if Tiger was healthy, you, you were not sure what you were going to get with the driver, right? I feel Correct. like if Tiger's healthy, he's going to drive the ball well. You know, I, I feel like Tiger swing where he is technically, if his body is capable, he's going to drive the ball well. I, I feel very confident in that. We know his irons will come around, right? I mean, he, he's the greatest iron sure. player of all time. So it's that's going to sharpen up. You know, I think it just, you know, with Tiger, as I start watching him now, you know, it's the new norm for him that there's going to be days like Friday. You know, like he said, I just have to deal with it. There's nothing I can do. There's going to be days that he is, his body is just not feeling great. And then there's going to be days where it is. I think for Tiger, I, I, I give it the check and the driver, check and irons, check and short game. I think it comes down to making putts. I, I think Tiger gets reps. His body's feeling well. He's making putts. He's going to be there. I would agree. He missed a lot of putts this week. Yeah, um, he did. You know, when you go back to Friday, you know, you start out with a three putt. Uh, you have another one two holes later. All of a sudden, you've hit it 15 feet. You walk away with bogey. Then you hit a par five. Then you three putt there. So what could have been, you know, a quick start turned out to be an ultra slow start. And then on Sunday, you had a couple of three putts that, I mean, from nowhere that you don't expect from tiger. And so, yeah, the, the, the reps with the putter, the putting under pressure, you can't replicate that at home. There's no way. And I think him knowing that he needs the reps, um, he's going to do something to try to get them and, and be prepared for the PGA championship. Yeah. He, um, he lost strokes. Um, negative 1.4 putting um last which week. which was which never happened used to never happen yeah because he would get it up and down from everywhere and he was that he was that guy that that when he needed to make it he found a way to make it yeah and he needs to somehow just create a little bit of confidence you know, you go back a couple of years at the tour championship when he when he won again and the excitement and the the way that he drove the ball at East Lake. Yeah, I'm I'm very, very comfortable with the way that he's striking the ball. And if you're gonna win golf tournaments, you're gonna win it with your ball striking. Yeah. And he he was able to do that and he just got behind the eight ball um on Friday. Yeah, I mean, stroke scan T to green, he was positive 4.2. Stroke scan approach, positive 5.5. I mean, yeah, I, I I feel his body, hey, if his body's capable, driver through wedge, count me in. I I, I think he's, 
I think he's in a great spot to drive the ball well, to drive it long enough. And he makes putts. You know, I, I think you're going to have to contend with Tiger Woods. And we know that if he gets near the lead on Sunday, that guy's not scared. You know, he's not going <laughs> to, he's, he's, he's the most prolific winner in PGA Tour history with Sam Snead. So I, I think 83 is inevitable. I'd love to see him in Memphis and then uh, get some momentum into, uh, into the PGA. And of course, uh, this week, we've got one tournament before Memphis. And then, of course, the PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park. A little run of TPCs here, Billy. We go uh, TPC Twin Cities. Fun golf course. I've played it um, many times. The 3M Open. Of course, the Champions Tour mm -hmm. uh, was going there for many, many years. And now they take the step up to the PGA Tour. Matthew Wolf, defending champion. I, I, I want to finish up pod here with a few names. And I just want to kind of get your thoughts on um, a few of these young guys here. And, you know, maybe if you could, like, maybe what do you like? And then maybe what would you like to see a little better? And I'll start with Matthew Wolf, the defending champ. What do you like with Matthew Wolf? And then maybe what do you think needs to maybe get a little bit better as he, as he looks ahead with his young career? I'm going to start off with the consistency needs to improve. Uh, here's a young man that is going in as defending champ at the 3M, but he's only had one other top 10, which was the second place at Rocket Mortgage. I, I just think if he can improve that consistency, give himself more opportunity, then that's when you're going to see this kid contend, you know, four or five times a year, uh, whether he wins a couple more times or two times a year. That remains to be seen, obviously, but he certainly has the talent. Um, and what I like about him is the aggressiveness with the driver. I, I mean, that is a strength yeah. for him, and he's not afraid to utilize it. So you got to understand he's that 21-year-old that uh, is still learning about this game of professional golf but boy, I love the the free swinging kind of attitude he has. Colin Morikawa, um, he's not playing this year. I believe he finished third one last shot. Year. I think he finished he, one shot out. He was with the Shambo. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, tied for second. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, with Bryson. Um, you know, I actually uh, spoke to his coach last week on the podcast, Rick Sessinghouse. Really, really fun conversation uh, out of LA. He's been his coach since he was eight years old. He said to me that Colin, the first time he was ever on a launch monitor was in college. How about that? Young player growing up in this era, never did they use a launch monitor all through his youth, junior high days, high school days until he got to college um, at Cal. Really a, a refreshing um, interview clearly has done some great things um, with Colin. Give me your thoughts on Morikawa, two wins now on the PGA Tour. What do you like and what would you tell him to address maybe now moving ahead? First of all, Sussing House is, is gone much higher on my list after hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> so so as, I, as I look at a Colin Morikawa, I will... I will defend this statement. 
He is the best iron player I have seen behind Tiger. Wow. So with the consistency, the ability to hit the ball the right distance, uh, he is pretty much on point. And what another thing that I really like is that the young man has total clarity on the golf course. Nothing gets foggy. When things go a little sideways, there's not a panic. He still knows exactly what he's going to do. And when you start looking at players that think straight under pressure, I'm going to put Colin Morikawa in that category. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair point. I heard you say that about on Golf Channel um, about Colin being right behind Tiger in the iron play. And he's he's one of those guys now that's on my list that when I go that I'm going to stop and watch hit balls. You know, there's that short list of players that you're going to stop and you're going to watch. Not not for the power, but just for the just the pure ball striking that he displays and that little baby fade that he hits, right? Just that one, mm. one yard die to the right <laughs> that he can yeah. just get going over. And, and over. the, and, and, and the little correction that, that assessing house and Colin made prior to the workday charity open was just a rotational thing. Yeah. <laughs> And he has that little drill where he has the lanyard with his ID. He'll tuck it under his mm-hmm. left armpit and work on making sure that the arms and the shoulders and and the torso all turn together. I mean, it's very simple, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. You get the you you get the. I think clarity is the perfect word for Mullet, for Colin. I mean, he he is. He's just everything is very clear. The game's not moving fast at all. And um, you get the feeling the game might be moving a little quicker for like a Matthew Wolf, you know? Um, yes. Totally. But, but for Colin, it's not. And boy, he's going to, I mean, it's so easy to say these guys are going to win so many, you know, it's just so hard to win. But it, this feels like a 12 win kind of guy, doesn't it? In his career, if he just kind of keeps going down this path, I mean, 12, 13 wins, I don't think is a stretch at all for his ability to strike the ball. I'll throw one more name at you. Grab your peanuts and popcorn. Baseball is back. That's right. The boys will be getting back out on the diamond this week. And while we may not be able to join them at the park, there is plenty of action to be had from the comfort of your home. DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a shot to play risk-free for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy baseball is easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stand to the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code TRAVIS to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code TRAVIS to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposits only at DraftKings. Minimum 
$5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Brooks Kepka, he's in the field. Got another MRI on the knee just to see where it's at. That's always a bit concerning. You hate to see that. Um, where are you at with Brooks? You know, like Bryson, there seems to be, there's some good things starting to happen for Brooks. He's getting some momentum perhaps on the golf course, although Memorial kind of deflated a lot of that for a lot of guys and how difficult it was. But, you know, there seems to be as much happening off the course and the feuds that he's getting into and seems to be, you know, very comfortable going back at Brandle and now this feud with Bryson and, you know, he kind of went after Paige McKenzie there and, you know, Nick Faldo and it's a pretty long list here all of a sudden. I mean, to me, is, is it just time to like, hey, Brooks, you're one of the best players in the world. Don't worry about all that. Just, you know, get the knee healthy and just get out. Well, I don't know if anyone thinks that that's in his DNA. Um, I think there was enough criticism early in his career about him not saying enough. And he was a little more reserved but now um, I think he's actually giving what people were asking for. And I think he's, you know, very forthright with his information. And what we love about a Rory McIlroy or, or Rom, these young players, um, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, they're an open book. They're very honest with the way that they feel. And, you know, you can not agree or or you can be a little offended by some of what Brooks says, but that's kind of his deal. He certainly has some time on his hands uh, with, with the niece being, you know, not 100%. And, you know, he's that kind of guy. Yeah. He's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. And the fact that he's not going to tell you every single time he has a sniffle or he has a cold or he has a cough or he has a paper cut on his index finger. Uh, but I thought, it, I thought it was good that he revealed that the knee is still an issue Yeah, because this is a power player. And if you can't get to your left side like Brooks needs to get to his left side and clear, then all of a sudden that left to right bleeder that finds the fairway with regularity turns into a big pull. And so Muirfield Village, tough golf course to walk. He's walked two weeks in a row. Uh, I saw him grimace coming out of the bunker at 17 and the third round. Mm. And after that round, that's when – he made it known that he's still fighting this knee, trying to get it back to 100%. But I think that we saw, as you said, we saw some glimpses of really good stuff. There was, I mean, when he's playing with Tiger on Saturday, all of a sudden he starts out bogey, double bogey. And then all of a sudden there's an eight hole stretch. So he plays five under. Yeah. And then you flip it around. Then he makes another double bogey. And so uh, again, he's just, trying to find the consistency and he and Claude Harmon, the third, they're, they're working it out. They're trying to get the club from the rehearsal. It looked like they're trying to get the club going a little more down the line. Um, 
and clearing the left side. So uh, it's a work in progress. I think he has seen enough. He's another one of those guys where, you know, this year the putting has dropped off tremendously. And going forward, we all know he likes the big events. Yeah. But I, I really don't, I really don't read a whole lot into what he says. I actually kind of just read it and go, okay, that's Brooks. <laughs> it is. It, I, I think it's, I, I enjoy it too, you know, and like, it, I think it's, it's great when there is the transparency and when there is some conflict and there's some back and forth and it kind of plays out. I think, I think it's great for the sport. You look at Brooks we, when things were inward and where he was tracking, I mean, seven wins and uh, four major championships. And, you know, now he's now the knee has slowed him down. I get that, but just, you know, when it seems to add up, it's like, damn, do we, you know, you really got to go there and then there and then there. And then, you know, it's like, you can't fight every battle. Right. And it just True. has to take away a little bit, a little bit of the focus because you're thinking about it. I mean, you're thinking about all these things. You, you're, you're thinking about that Paige McKenzie said that her opinion was you should have been fine, you know, or um, for those comments about Bryson or, or, you know, Faldo's thoughts or brand, I mean, you know, the list just goes on and on. And pretty soon it's like, man, just get back to focusing on playing golf. Because when you were focusing on just playing golf, you were winning major championships at a pretty darn good clip. Right. Everything can't be a lightning rod and you can't get upset over everything. And so, it, you know, you put everything back on track and and play golf and is that going to be easy or is that going to be hard to do we're going to find out yeah and we're going to have our one and only major of this 2020 season coming up yep and i think it is going to be so interesting to see how brooks kepka plays is john rom going to win that first major is tiger did that one tournament at Memorial or is he going to play Memphis? Is that enough for him to be sharp enough to contend at Harding Park? I mean, there are so many variables going on and so many things happening to the end of the season. And then after the PGA championship, Travis, it's the Wyndham and then the playoffs and the tour championship. And all of a sudden we start again and it's the 21 season. I know it. It's going to be fun. Brooks Captain knows a thing or two about the PGA Championship. He's won it the last two years. Um, TPC Harding Park, as you mentioned, that's a couple weeks. It's the 3M Open this week, TPC Twin Cities. And then we go to the WGC over at TPC Southwind in, um, in Memphis. So, yeah, it's uh, it just golf's just getting going. You know, and I know you can put the 2020 label on it or the 2021, but as far as I see it, I don't even know what day it is. It's like <laughs> golf is ahead of us and um, it's exciting times. Everything's kind of bubbling up. And um, I'm going to go on record and say Tony Finau wins the 3M Open. I'm, Tony Finau wins the 3M Open, Billy. And by golly, I'm going to celebrate on Sunday night for it because I want that guy to win. I think there's a lot of people that would love to see Tony win. You're one. I'm one. He's a he's a great guy. He's one you want to pull for. Um, so 
I hope you're right. And if you're right, you got a nice bottle of wine coming. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, you're the and, best. I, uh, I always enjoy listening to you speak. Thank you for your time and uh, coming on the Stripe Show podcast. I appreciate it. 